I do want to say this evening how much my wife and I have appreciated being here. It has been great, and we love these conferences. We love being here. We love the fellowship. And I would add my amen to those who have commended the people who did a lot of work behind the scenes. The food has been good, and I'm probably going to have to go home and lose some weight. Now, I was in a quandary as to what I was going to preach this evening. But, by God's grace, I do want to preach on something that I trust will be a blessing to your heart. This has been an incredible conference as far as the messages are concerned. It has been good. The word has been set forth. And I pray that by God's grace I'll be able to set forth a little more of it. But the word is our final authority. Yes. My opinion doesn't matter. God's opinion does. Amen. Well, it's not even opinion. God's standard. I want to read some scriptures from the Gospel of John. Chapter 6. John chapter 6. I'm going to read the verses 32 through 40. 32 through 40 of John chapter 6. And I'm reading from the King James Version. (laughs) Then said Jesus unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you that ye also have seen me and believe not. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that hath sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of God that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. I love the Gospel of John. There's so much in it that is a blessing to our hearts. Now, I have read uh, some of the verses. I'll probably not deal with all of them. Uh, I'm looking at the clock, and I understand you have to be out of here by 10. So uh, I'll try to limit myself. But what I want you to notice, there are some things I want to notice that I think are very, very important. Where Jesus says, I am. Amen. And there are a number of things that I want to set before you because we as believers rejoice in Jesus Christ our Savior. Yes. And when we read the scriptures, we see him presented to us in a lot of different ways. And so what I'm going to do first of all is go over with you some of these places in the Bible where we have the I am. Already we have noted some things. He speaks of himself in verse 35. 
as the bread of life uh, and we look at some others as we go through what I'd like to do at this time however is just look at some scriptures in John's gospel about Jesus I am various things now first of all I want you to look with me to John chapter 8 and I'm going to go through a few scriptures here John chapter 8 and verse number 12 John 8 verse 12 let me read it to you then speak Jesus again unto them saying I am the light of the world he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness but shall have the light of life I am the light yes I am, he's not saying I am a light I'm not one light and Buddha is another light and the Hindu gods are other lights he's making himself specifically the light yes. I am the light of the world he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness but shall have the light of life then I want you to turn to chapter 10 and verse number 7 <clears throat> chapter 10 and verse 7 the Lord Jesus speaking again it says in verse 7 then said Jesus unto them again verily verily I say unto you I am the door of the sheep I am the door again not a door but the only door yes. if we're going to be in the sheepfold it is through the door known as the Lord Jesus Christ yes. there is only one way to heaven that is through the Lord Jesus Christ right. stay in chapter 10 and look at verse 11 the Lord Jesus says I am the good shepherd yes. and of course in these early verses he's talking about the sheepfold and the sheep and he says I am the good shepherd now let me say something here he doesn't just say I'm the shepherd but he adds the word good mm -hmm. I am the good shepherd and we of course know he's the best shepherd yes. he's the shepherd of souls I am the good shepherd the good shepherd this is what is precious my friends the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep he loved the sheep so much and do you know how long he loved them from before the foundation of the world alright go to verse 14 of the same chapter Jesus says again I am the good shepherd and know my sheep now he's not just talking here about well I know about them he knows them in the sense that they're his by sovereign election and that is something to rejoice in I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and I'm known of mine if we're born again of God's grace we know who Jesus is and we rejoice in who he is and what he is go to chapter 11 and verse 25 chapter 11 and verse 25 Jesus said unto her I am the resurrection and the life he that believeth in me though he were dead yet shall he live and whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die believest thou this but here's what I want you to do. I am the resurrection. Yes. And the, the example was set for us in his own resurrection from the dead. Sure. You know, I, I, I've said some things the other time about some of my experiences in classes, in universities, in colleges. And you know, it's amazing. It is amazing, at least to me, how many call themselves Christians who do not believe in the literal resurrection 
of Jesus Christ from the grave. If there's no literal resurrection, there's no salvation and there's no hope for us. All right, let's go to chapter 14. These are just I am. Chapter 14 and verse number 6. This is a this is a message right in itself. Jesus saith unto the, unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He alone is the way. And as I think I said the other night, not only has there anybody else come along who can add to that, there's nobody yet to come who will add to that. He alone, he alone is the way, the truth, and the life. And then one other scripture in chapter 15 and verse number 1. Let me read this to you. Jesus speaking, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Now these are some of the scriptures that set before us who Jesus Christ is. Now having said that, I want to go into some thoughts in these verses, some of these verses that I read to you. First of all, I want to set before us the blessed consequences of coming to Jesus Christ. The blessed consequences of coming to Jesus Christ. Because you see it is in Jesus Christ we find our salvation. And the Jesus Christ to whom we are brought by the Spirit of God is the Jesus Christ that I have briefly described to you in those I am's. The one who is the saviour of sinners yeah. is supreme in every conceivable way. Amen. The light we need is found in him. The path we need is found in him. The life we need is found in him, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Therefore, we are talking about one who is unique. He is, as the scripture reminds us, in a number of places in John's Gospel, he is the Son of the living God. When you go back with me to John chapter 1, an oft-quoted passage. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. This is a picture of who Jesus Christ is. Involved in the creation with his father way before even the world began. I want us to see who Jesus is. And I want us to see what he can do. And these I am's give you an example of who he is and what he can do. What he can do is break the sin hole by the power of the spirit of God. He is one who stands aloof from and alone with reference to to God and salvation. He satisfies the spiritual hunger of believers. In that 6th chapter, I want you to look with me at verse 48. I didn't read it, because if I read all these verses, then I would have to go over them all, and you'd be here all night. But look at verse 48, chapter 6. I am the bread of life. Now we need sustenance to go from day to day. But here is the Lord Jesus telling us, I am the bread. I'm the sustenance for every child of God. We feast on him. We learn from his word. We grow in his truth. Look then also in verse 58 of that sixth chapter. This is 
The, this is that bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth of this bread, the Lord Jesus Christ, he that eateth of this bread will live. Yes. Not for 10 years or 20 years or 50 years or 80 years or more. But we shall live for eternity. Amen. The message of the gospel is a message for eternity. We will never hunger spiritually as we grow in Christ Jesus. Then also we'll never thirst. Go to chapter 4 of John's gospel and, and verse 15, 14. John chapter 4 and verse 14. Jesus says at the end of the 13th verse, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. You see the implication of that? Never thirst. Now I'm sure all of us at some time have thirsted desperately. We needed water or something to drink as it were. But he says here, whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. Of course, we're not talking here about little old water. I understand that. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. You notice how many times the phrase everlasting or eternal yes. life is presented to us. You see, when we're brought savingly to Jesus Christ, we're entering into life everlasting. Yes. Not on this earth, but in heaven. Not as we are now, but with new bodies, whatever they're going to be. We're going to be worshipping God forever with life, which is everlasting. Right. And then another scripture before I move on. In chapter 7 of John, and I believe it's verse 37. Chapter 7. It says this, In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. When we are brought to the Lord Jesus Christ, may I put it this way, all our spiritual conditions are dealt with. Amen. We are fitted for heaven. Now yes, as I said the other, time, the other evening, we have to grow in Christ. We have to mature in Christ. We have to learn of Christ. But our eternity is is as certain as the Christ who has purchased it. Yes. And sometimes I think we get discouraged because of the things around us. When we are brought to the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll notice I keep saying when we are brought to Christ, Amen. because we cannot bring ourselves. Amen. And, and we live in a world where the gospel, I'm going to be blunt, has been mutilated right. by many yes. who have put it all. It's up to you, brother. I remember it being put, and most of you have heard it, I'm sure. God has done everything he can. Brother, it's up to you. No. If God is that sort of a God, he isn't worth our attention. But the God of the Bible is the God who has done everything. Amen. He's the God who saw fit to send his son into the world. He became a man, but incidentally, a perfect man. And he lived among men, and he served men, he worked miracles, he taught, but then he went to the cross. We're not preaching the gospel if we don't go to the cross. Right. And all that follows after that. Yes. 
So he went to the cross, and there he gave his life for answer for many. It's the it's this Christ who gives us all these things. It's this Christ who is our hope. It is this Christ who brings us to eternal life. And when we are brought savingly to the Lord Jesus Christ, the consequences are worthy of praise. Now then, I want to go on. I want to show something else. The opponent's lack of faith. The opponent's lack of faith. Going back to John chapter 6, and I want you to look with me well, if I got the right chapter, it would help. John chapter 6, and it's verse number, uh, let me see, verse number 26. <laughs> Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, ye seek me, not because you saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. You're not seeking me for the right reason. Right. You're seeking me for your physical improvement. Yeah. And incidentally, the gospel is not a be positive message. It is a message of hope yes. and life. Yeah. In chapter 10 of John and verse 26. Chapter 10 and verse 26. Jesus is speaking and he says, Ye believe not because ye are not of my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. They have a lack of faith in the Lord Jesus. They do not see him for who he is. They do not see him. Even their own scriptures of the Old Testament present him to them. But in their blindness and darkness, they couldn't see it. Isaiah 53, they couldn't interpret it properly. They couldn't see the Messiah in Isaiah 53. Certainly not the Messiah who is presented to us in the Scriptures. And so the Lord Jesus says, You believe not because you're not of my sheep. You have rejected me. And incidentally, may I put it this way, we either, now I understand what I'm saying, we either accept Christ or we reject Him. There's nothing in between. He's either ours or He's not. Right. He's either our shepherd or he, or he is not. Right. He's either our sovereign king or he's not. He's either our lord or he's not. Uh, there's too much theological compromise, if I can put it that way. They heard what he taught. They had good ears, but that's as far as it went. They heard what he taught, but it really meant nothing to them. Who is this guy? In many eyes, he was an upstart. Uh, for some of them, he was a curse. But for those who were his, he was the son of glory. He was the one that came. I love Hebrews chapter 1, so I'm going to read you Hebrews 1. I know you know it, but it's good to read the scriptures. All right, go back to Hebrews chapter 1 and the first three verses. I read them the other night, and I'm sure you hear these a lot. But here they are. God, who at sundry times and in divers manners speak in time past unto the fathers, by the prophets. Notice that? Under the fathers, by the prophets. If these people really knew the prophets, they would see the Lord Jesus. Amen. Now it says verse 2, Hath in these last days spoken unto us by His Son. God's whole work, as it were, is seen in His Son. Who He is and what He did. 
hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, taking us back to John chapter 1, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, that's what he did. And incidentally, that's what he came to do. Yes. When he had purged our sins, he sat down, but look where he sat. At the right hand of the majesty on high. That's where he belonged. That's where he came from. And when he did the work, he went back. Praise God for all of those things because in those things rests our salvation and our hope. They didn't believe him. They couldn't stand him. They had no interest in him. They were lacking in faith. They didn't know it. They were religious, as I used to say to their, the top of their heads. But they were religiously ignorant and religiously blind as far as Jesus Christ was concerned. And you know, there are many religious people sitting in church buildings day after day. And their religion goes no farther than this man, Jesus. And I keep saying this because we live in a day when the Lord Jesus is ignored in so many ways. Well, I've been to church this morning. I feel clean. I sign the hymns. I listen while they pray. I even listen to the preacher. I'm so I'm all right. And, and honestly, that seems to be the impression that one gets from people when it comes to church. The assembly of God's people, number one, most of the people there should be God's people. Yes. And we come to worship God. Yes. Not compare hats. Yeah. Not compare rings, recipes. Yeah. I would be awful with that. I don't know how to do a recipe. But you see what I'm saying? We come to worship God. When the assembly comes together, in our little assembly, there are three things we do here this evening. We pray, we sing, and we preach. Yes. Wow, how old fashioned is that? You know, if you don't get going with a drummer here and so on, that's that. Now, listen to me very carefully. I love music. I think we've proved that already. I love music. But it must be music that glorifies God, yes. that honors Him, yes. that lifts Him up. That gives him his proper and his right place. There are many today who are religious and could even quote Bible verses to you, but they know nothing about the Lord Jesus in any real sense of the word. So then, look at verse 36. Jesus said, I said unto you that you also have seen me, but you don't believe. Some of these people saw his miracles. Didn't impress them at all. They were probably more likely to think him to be of the devil than for him to be of God. They heard his messages. But yet, as it says here, they didn't believe. Now, are we expected to believe? Yes. I'm not playing down belief. And people misunderstand the doctrines of grace. The doctrines of grace do not play down a belief. They put it in proper order. Because as we've already said, and others have said, people are spiritually dead. 
and in death they can't do any. But praise God, he comes along with his sovereign power, and we'll get to some of this in a moment. He comes along with the sovereign power, and guess what happens? They're broken, and they repent, and they believe the gospel. All right. The opponent's lack of faith, and I, I'm moving on because I've got a lot to say. This, the next thing I want us to see is, and this to me rejoices the heart, the sovereign salvation of God. Look at verse 37. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. Now wait a minute, Mr. McShaw. All that the Father giveth me, but does, isn't everybody given to him? Uh-uh. No. No. Amen. All that the Father giveth me. When did he give them to him? Before the foundation of the world. Look at Ephesians chapter 1. Don't take McDonald's word for it. Let the Bible speak for itself. You all know this passage. In fact, I was tempted to preach in this passage, but here it is. Look at verse number 4. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. Now, there are people who say, well, when we get to, you know, uh, what is it, uh, uh, forward, uh, uh, for looking forward, they translate it this way. Well, God looked down the avenues of time and he saw what McDonald would do and he elected him. That puts salvation in my hands. But that's not where salvation belongs. He is the sovereign in salvation. All that the Father giveth me. And it doesn't say 95% of those the Father giveth me. All that the Father giveth me. No matter when, no matter where, no matter how. If God gives them to the Son, they are His. Praise God for that truth. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. I will in no wise cast out. Once we are born of the Spirit of God, now listen to me very carefully. When we're born again, it doesn't make us perfect. We still have our sins to deal with. This, you remember this old outward man, you know? But listen to me. If we are in Christ Jesus, we're in Christ Jesus forever. Amen. It's not a, a, a short time or anything of that nature. I will in no wise, under any circumstances, are they going to be cast out. If you're a child of God tonight, you're going to be a child of God forever. Amen. It's not a short time thing. It's an eternal thing. Amen. It's, it's eternal life the Lord Jesus gives. Yeah. All that the Father giveth me, all that the Father giveth me, shall come to me. The certainty of God's call. That's what he's telling us. Look at chapter 17. And I believe it's verse 24. Chapter 17. You know the 17th chapter of John. Now I just speak uh, as a preacher here. It's a wonderful passage to preach from. Isn't it brethren? Yes. I'm glad to hear the Alright. In chapter 17 and verse 24. Father... I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. He wants all those that the Father has given him to be with him. Yes. And praise God they will. Amen. They will. Amen. And you know something? Old age will not be a problem then. No. Our sicknesses Amen. will not be a problem then. Even not able to speak broken Irish, Scots English will not be a problem then. All right. Um, uh, all right, he cares for his sheep. 
Go back to that 10th chapter that I read to you. And I want you to notice verse 27. Chapter 10, verse 27. The Lord Jesus. Well, first of all, in verse 26. You believe not because you're not of my sheep. You don't belong to me. Then in verse 27, my sheep hear my voice. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them. Think about that, Christian. The Son of God knows his people. And he knows them with an everlasting love. I know them. And they follow me. Christ is our head. Christ is our leader. Christ is our commander. We are his sheep. We belong to him. He is our shepherd. The 23rd Psalm, we've already heard a little bit about it uh, this week. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Believer, is it not a great blessing to know that in a world of turmoil and torment and where people don't even know what a woman is or what a man is, we live in a world that is chaotic. Isn't it good to know that our Savior has his under his control and we love him and we serve him and he's watching over us. I want us to see the result of God's call. The result of God's call. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. When we are called by the Spirit of God, there is nothing and no one that will keep us from the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing. Nothing. Doesn't matter what it is. Doesn't matter who it is. Nothing. No one. God is sovereign. And He will finish what He started. When His Holy Spirit does the work of regenerating, it's a good work. It's an everlasting work. I think sometimes we forget all these things. He's our shepherd. Chapter 10 again. I've been using a lot in chapter 10. Maybe I should have preached on it. But in chapter 10, verse 11, let me read it. It's similar to what we've already read. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. But notice what he says. The good shepherd giveth his life. We can't get away from that, my friends. If we're going to heaven, it's because the Son of God shed his blood on Calvary's cross. There's no, there's no other way. I, I've quoted this, I used to quote this in our assembly many times. There was no other good enough to pay the price of sin. He only could unlock the gates of heaven and let us in. That hasn't changed. That's still the gospel for this generation. Oh, may God open up hearts and lives to see that. The result of God's call, the result of God's call is to know the Father, is to know salvation, is to know what it is to live under God's direction, seeking to please Him. Will you turn with me to 1 John 2 and verse 19, I believe it is. 1 John 2 and verse 19. I think there's something there that I want to bring to your attention. First John chapter 2 and the 19th verse. I'm almost certain of it. First John 2, 19. Let me read. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would, would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not of us. The us being the elect of God. 
They us being those who are brought savingly to the Lord Jesus Christ. The sovereign salvation of God is as sure as the God who has organized it, who has planned it, and who has carried it through. We talk about efficacious grace. That really just means it'll work. That means it works. We have eternal salvation. Our, the work that God does in the Lord Jesus is forever. It's not something that's going to end. It's not something that's going to come to a conclusion. And then, let me take you to this. I think this is my fourth point. Jesus came to do the Father's will. I'm going to read from verse 38, or I'm going to go through verse 38. I came down from heaven not to do mine own will. Jesus was the second person in the triune Godhead, but he said, I'm not here to do my own will. But the will of him. I thought it would be a good idea for me to go there. No, thank you. The will of him that hath sent me. Jesus came from heaven because he was sent from heaven. The triune Godhead had it all worked out. Jesus was going to come to earth and take on human form. Yet without sin. Go to Calvary's cross to die for sinners and you and like me. He was totally committed to the will of the Father. Look at chapter 5 and verse 30. Chapter 5, verse 30. Jesus speaking and he says, I come of mine own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I seek not mine own will but the will of the Father which has sent me. This does not mean that Jesus was less of God than the Father. But he had submitted himself. He had committed himself to do the Father's will. And praise God he did. Because if he didn't, he'd still be in our sin. Chapter 4, verse 34. Chapter 4, verse 34. Let me read it to you. Jesus said unto them, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Do you know where he finished the work? On the cross and in his resurrection and in his ascension. He's waiting there for us. No matter what our circumstances, no matter what our situation, no matter the language we have, he's waiting for us. Praise God he is. Jesus committed himself voluntarily to the Father's will. Now I want us to see the Father's will concerning the elect. Look at verse 39. This is the Father's will which has sent me. That those who have their own free will make a decision, I should lose nothing. What do you mean? Uh, oh, is not that what it says? Well, I think some people think that's what it says. Now let me read it again. This is the Father's will. Number one, the Father's will. That has sent me, Jesus Christ. That of all which he hath given me. And he has given him an elect great number. Of all which the Father, which he hath given me. I should lose nothing. <coughs> Not even one. 
not even one. But should raise it up again at the last day. Praise God. He's going to raise us all up. What a blessing that is. And then he goes on in verse 40, and this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which saith the Son and believe in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Some will to come and say to me, you see there, McDowell, it says those that believe in him. Yes, it does. But who's going to believe in him? Well, we've already seen it. The ones who believe in him are those who have been called by sovereign grace. Yes, yes. Those who from before the foundation of the world have been chosen in Christ Jesus. And, and as a number of you have said, it's all over the scriptures. Yeah. The problem is people don't read the Bible. Yeah. Now, it's good to listen to a preacher. And pray God the preacher speaks the truth. But the preacher's not the last word. Right. What you should do, hey, listen to me. And I'm speaking to me too. You examine what the preacher's saying yeah. on the basis of the word of God. Yes. His PhD doesn't mean a thing right. if he's teaching falsehood. The Bible is still our final authority, my friends. And we've heard that a number of times this week. Our salvation is not a hit and miss thing, a last minute made up operation. Even before the world was formed, God had a purpose to redeem a people. Wretches like you and wretches like me. Have we ever reason for thanksgiving? We most assuredly do. The Father's will concerning the elect. Go back to chapter 10 and verse 28. Chapter 10 and verse 28. I'm going to read a few verses that speak about the elect here. Verse 28. If you want reassuring words, there's a lot of them in the book of Joel. In verse 28 of chapter 10, let me read it to you. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Realize the implications of that? They shall never perish. Never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. I remember a man telling me, no one else will pluck them out of my hand, but, but, but I might pluck myself out of God's hand. Wasn't he a man? Pardon? Wasn't he a man? Oh, I think he was a man who said it. No man. No, oh, I, you know. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he was, he had his own opinion. Wow. That's the problem with too many opinions. You know, all right, uh, look at it again. My father which given me is greater than all. He's sovereign. <coughs> and no man is able to pluck them out of my father's heart. No man, as you said. Nobody. And the Father are one. I think sometimes in our religious excitement, we lose the truth. Look at John 17 and verse 12, I believe it is. John 17 and verse 12. And yes, I am looking at the the clock so that I don't go too far. Too far. 17 and verse 12. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me, I have kept. That's the elect. And none of them, not even one of them, is lost. But the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. None of them is lost. Praise God for his great salvation. In verse 9 of chapter 18, 
that the same may be fulfilled which he spake. Of them which thou gavest me, have I lost none. Amen. What a, what a blessed salvation we enjoy. Right. What a great salvation is ours. Now look at, go back to our chapter number 6. And I want to have a few more verses and then we'll bring it to a close. In chapter 6, and I believe it's verse 27. God in Christ will raise us up again. Verse 27 of John 6 says, Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth forever, endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father seen. We have everlasting life from and in the Lord Jesus Christ. We will not lose, God will not lose any of his elect. Now, I don't know who the elect are, but God Amen. certainly does. Amen. God does. And there's not one of them one lost. Our gospel is as sure, as I said earlier, it's as sure as the God who planned it. And the Christ who put it into action as it were. Now then, I, I, I'm going to come to a close, so uh, let, me, let me just look at one more set of notes and everything. I want to make a conclusion. Number one, what glorious truths are these? Truths that make us free. The gospel message is a message of freedom. Freedom from sin and its hold. Freedom from hell. But Mr. McDowell, this is 2022. We don't believe in hell anymore. Sorry, the Bible teaches it. And that's all there is about it. They don't want to think about it. I don't know. There are a lot of reasons why they don't want to think about it. All right. The first thing I want us to know here is hate the word above all. Christ is the sustenance of those who trust him. The word of God must be supreme. And that has certainly been made clear by all those who have preached during this conference. Our final authority is what God has said from Genesis to Revelation. Yes. Secondly, know this, there is only one way of salvation. There is no other way. There is no other Savior. The Savior is Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. He's the only way. He's the ultimate way. People must not be looking in other directions. They must see Jesus. They must come to Jesus. They must bow before Jesus, the King of all things. There is only one way. The third thing, note that God's salvation is sure and certain. And I read that 39th verse. It's worth reading again. This is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which hath, he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. This is sure and certain as the Christ who has worked it out. And then understand the consequences of not believing. Understand the consequences. Look at verse 40. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which saith the Son and believeth in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. If we do not believe, if we reject Christ and his salvation, there's no hope. There's no hope. 
No. It is Christ or it's destruction. There is nothing in between. There is no compromised position. My dear friends, we're either in Christ or we're out of Him. We're either on the way to heaven or on the way to hell. The only hope there is is in Jesus Christ. The Son of the living God who came to earth, who went to the cross of Calvary, suffered, died, shed His blood, but praise God, rose again from the dead. And now sits at the right hand of God, making intercession for his people. May that Christ be our Christ. May we rejoice in that Christ and that salvation. And may we, when speaking to others, never minimize the gospel of sovereign grace. Let's pray. Our gracious Father, we give you thanks tonight for this conference for all the preachers and the messages that have come forth. Lord, apply your truth to all of our hearts and help us to see that in your revelation, your word is the truth. Lord, help us to grow in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus as we have been encouraged this week. I pray for this assembly of your saints and thank you for them. And ask, O oh God, that you would put your hand upon them and all that they do. Father, thank you for the opportunity of Christian fellowship. Thank you for the opportunity to preach your word. And, O oh God, we thank you for what we have in our blessed Savior. We pray all these things in his precious name. Amen. Amen.